I can't find a second degree when I propose this, but I don't care. I don't need a second degree. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to have it defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. And if anyone disagrees with this, can pick a number, get online, and kiss my ass. A representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. On the Backstory Podcast, I'm Harry Steele, Backwood Southern Lawyer. Have my my quadna and client, Paul Rip. How are things in Fairhope, Mr. Rip? Oh, pretty good. Just put out Freaky Friday. Should be out in just a few hours called Faux Candidates. And Reigns. Rain, Captain Rains Russian, how are things out in uh, Houston? We hold it down out here in Houston, man. It's uh, just gearing up for the general election and the fights that we're going to have to fight for that with the uh, local races. And um, dealing with that, we had our uh, interesting little thing that happened here in, De- in Houston. Uh, Dr. Diane Troutman was our county clerk. And two months ago, or a month ago, she resigned because of health uh, it turns out she is uh, uh, what they call a vulnerable adult, and uh, not just because of her age, because she has an underlying health condition, and she was very concerned about the way that we do voting here in Harris County, uh, about being infected by COVID-19, so she immediately resigned, and we just got a brand new county clerk going into an election where we just found out, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an, uh, an election judge, so I'm a, I'm a poll worker, and uh we just found out that we don't have near enough people to man all voting sites in Harris County for the upcoming election and for the primary and uh, for the special elections. And uh, it's a it's a real concern right now. And, of course, uh, some of the local GOP leaders are pushing against mail-in ballots like you've seen on the national stage. But here locally, we've seen a huge surge in requests for mail-in ballots. So we're going to see how that works out. That's just a that's just an aside. That's what's going on in Houston right now. Yeah, well, I think given the poll workers I've seen, most of them are octogenarians in our area. Yes, for sure. And it's, it's the same here. And the reason that we have a lot of poll workers bowing out is because they have concerns about COVID nineteen, and they don't believe that they can positively protect themselves because a lot of our polling places are very small. Um, for instance, the ones we have here, we have we have. Uh, 22 polling places just in my general vicinity and maybe three of them are like the school size you know where you can spread out in a large school auditorium the rest of them are small rooms and libraries community centers things like that and people just don't want to be in close quarters but we have had a huge surge in mail-in ballots and i can make a prediction now that we aren't going to find out who wins any elections in november we're going to have to wait and find We're going to vote November, but we're going to find out in, de- in December whenever who's won and who hasn't. Wow. Because of all the mail-in ballots and the need to certify those and everything else. That's going to be the story all across the country, I believe. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. That's, that's my prediction. We'll elect in November and find out in December. Yeah. All right, let's talk COVID numbers for the people that are listening and not watching. Um, Alabama's up. Wide, 7.5. Five million, two million forty-two thousand in the U.S. Let's see what the map says about Baldwin. I think we're still under three hundred. Of course, that's because we're not testing. 
And just what I said was going to happen, Range, the black belt counties of Alabama that nobody cared about is ate up with COVID-19. COVID look at, if you, if you look at these, these colors on this map, mm -hmm. it's not indicative. It's, it's, it's infection by population. So yes. You're looking at a population density to infection rate ratio and you see Baldwin County still pretty clear. Well, we're, we're up 43 from last time. We were just under 300, so we added 50 in Bowen County. All right, nobody cares. <laughs> well, we're at, uh, we're at about what 114, 115,000 through the U.S. Yes, sir. Yeah, deaths. Absolutely, that is correct, and it's going and the number is going to keep climbing. It's just going to keep going. They're predicting they're predicting up to one hundred and seventy five thousand now and uh one hundred go ahead. That's through, I believe, uh August. Those right. numbers, that's what the predictions are for. Right, right. Well, one hundred and I think it was one hundred and ten thousand or one hundred and fifteen thousand was equal to uh Korea. Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq war. Iraq, all together, yeah. All together. We've lost that many people in four months uh, rather than what took us four different wars in 40 years. Well, 50 years we're still in it with Korea. It's going to take a bunch of people losing their grandma before they come to realize that they've let their guard down way too soon. I wonder if uh, you know I've got a I've got a chest of old nautical flags and I wish they were bigger because the in the in the signal in the nautical flag signal code a large yellow flag with a black dot in the middle of it signifies uh, do not come aboard vessel under quarantine and I'm wondering if uh, you know since we've lost all these people and their combined amount from four damn wars. If uh, we could get somebody to record a new cover of the old uh, Tony Orlando song, tie a quarantine flag around the old old tree. Anyway, that was. <coughs> let's let's just move forward. Let's move, let's move on to some national controversy, which we try to stay out of as much as we can. Um, I want to I want to have a rational conversation, Range Russian, if we if that's possible on this issue. Um, Last episode, I talked about Admiral Raphael Sims and the removal of, of his statue. And just recently, uh, Auburn classmate of mine posted something to Facebook um, where an Auburn college student had written a GIS program online and identified all of the buildings on campus that were uh, named for anyone related to the Confederacy. Now... I took a revolutionary class that blew my mind, and uh, this guy right here, Wayne Flint, uh, taught a 400-level class at Auburn University, and it was the history of the South since 1865, and it completely changed the way I looked at the world around me. Um, he, uh, as part because it was a graduate-level class, we had to read a book and go over to his house, and he and his wife, who are both ordained. Baptist ministers, and you had to have tea with them and discuss the book. Just things that people don't do anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
So uh, anyway, I would love I would love for Doctor Flint to have some input on exactly what we do on Auburn University campus. He's he's professor emeritus of history. And look, if we name some building for some guy who was a notorious racist or something, let's take his name off. But if but if there was some, if there was a man of his time who served in the Confederacy and then came back to Auburn and served as a teacher for forty years. You know, maybe they named the building after him because he taught there for 40 years and he was part of the Auburn, the fabric of the university, and they wanted to memorialize him. Let's have a rational discussion about it before we start tearing things off of buildings. That's all I'm trying to say. Let, and, me, let, me, uh, let, me, let me just interject real quick because I got to say this while I'm thinking about it. And it just, the reason it made me laugh is not because of what we're discussing, it's a professorial comparison. Because I had just about the similar class at Mississippi State under Dr. John Marsley, and it was uh, it was reconstruction to industrial, all right, and that was what his class was all about. Because he was the Civil War instructor up there, and uh, I took his Civil War class along with his reconstruction class, which was pretty close to the same one as that. And I'm going to tell you something. If any of us had shown up to Dr. John Marsley's house to try to have tea, he would pulled an 1850. Navy coat on him and shoot us out his damn yard. He did not want anything to do with his students coming to his house, and he made that very clear. And that's why I was like, "Wow, we ended up with diametrically opposite professors interacting." So I want to have a rational discussion about names that should be removed from buildings. Okay, so this right. is Churchill, Alabama Community College website. And this is the Baymanet campus. As you scroll down, you will see a name right here. The Seymour Trammell Science Building. What about that first one? The Wallace Hall. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, well, look. All right, I didn't mean to get you sidetracked. Yeah, yeah, don't get me sidetracked. Okay, so Seymour Trammell. Guess who Seymour Trammell was? Seymour Trammell, the father of modern gynecology. No, 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 no. Different guy. Different guy. Different guy. guy. uh, Here we go. So this is his obit. You guys seeing that? Oh, that's him. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, you see down here. When he was was Treasury Secretary... (laughs) He actually had a place on the bid form for you to add 10% that's going towards the Wallace campaign. Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, if we're, if we want to start talking about renaming buildings, let's start closer to home. And I'll assure you, nobody in this town knew who Seymour Trammell was. Well, well, I'll have to, I'll have to admit something, Harry. I've been a military brat until I was 21 and then was in the military two more years. And I'll be damned if I knew so many military bases were named after uh, Confederate generals or soldiers. That surprised the hell out of me. I never knew that. Well, well that's, uh, you know, that's, that's not, that's not a surprising sentiment, Paul. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people, I would say an overwhelming majority of people who have served in the military not only under not only have a do not have a deep understanding of American history, but ninety nine percent of the time they don't have a 
decent understanding of foreign policy. So they really didn't know what they were doing, regardless of what base they deployed from. So I, I would say that's that's pretty fair, you know, and it's uh, but that's not. If, if, if Harry's looking for a counterpoint, he's going to find a not a scalpel, but a battle axe in what I have to say. And I'll say I'll speak to the, the Seymour Trammell Trammel, Trammel building. I'm not as much concerned about that because there's still buildings in, in Baltimore named after Spiro Agnew. Now, if you want to talk about somebody that went down for tax evasion and whatnot at the national level, I mean, ain't nobody tearing down the Spiro Agnew statue in the, in the, Washington, in the Baltimore State House. Now, my God, <laughs> what I will say is this, and this is an all encompassing statement. When you're a political movement and a volatile political movement, you don't seek compromise kicking down the barn door. You kick down the barn door, you set things on fire, you push past the barn towards the house. And then you start understanding and maybe accepting some compromise. Right now, this political movement is pushing through the barn. They've lit everything on fire. We want everything taken away. We want Confederate flags taken away. We want monuments torn down. We want everything related to the Confederacy erased from history. We want all the bases renamed. They know that they're not going to get all that. They are marching towards a reckoning of historical fact in this country. They say, we're going to walk towards the house with torches in hand unless you meet us on some compromise. And until then, we're going to demand that all this stuff gets taken down. But if they meet some form of compromise, NASCAR, fantastic example. NASCAR's got rid of Confederate flags. That was Marine Corps. The Marine Corps, the entire Department of the Navy now, Paul. Because yeah. the on with it, too. Yeah. Those were huge steps taken huge. towards compromise. Huge steps. Can you imagine? And, I mean, I hate to say this in a generality because it makes me sound just as bad as some others, but when's the last time you've been to a NASCAR race and not seen a damnable Confederate flag flying over half the goddamn crowd? It is oh, a huge yeah. step, and that is a step towards compromise. If Actually, that, I, read an, I read an article about it in the – the sports writer who was writing it said that he took notice at the last Daytona and there were only 15, he counted them, there were only 15 flags at Daytona in the. Well, that's, that's Daytona. Let him go count at Talladega and then we'll Yeah, talk. you well, go to Talladega and you can't see, you can't see the track for the flag. Here's the thing. But I think, it, I think it's courtesy. House. People know that they, you know, nobody wants a big fight over a flag and everybody's going to the race to enjoy the race. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 99% of the people at Daytona paid a hundred dollars for their tickets. They didn't go there to get into a fight. So they're not going there with a rebel flag. People go to NASCAR to enjoy the race, not fight about race. And that's that's fine because it's a step in the direction of compromise. And it slows down the march towards the house with the horse, with the, with the torches. Now, if there are more compromises made, if there are more compromises made, the movement will back off the across-the-board erasure of history. Let's say the White House or the, the Department of Defense says, you know what, we'll take a look at renaming Bragg Hood and A.P. Hill. 
and we'll name them for people that, that deserve because there's plenty of people out there that deserve to have bases named after them. If all of a sudden that happens, watch the movement dial back on all the rest of it. Okay, that's my well, point. Is that this is a broad-reaching sword that's going out, and if you want to turn it into a scalpel, all you've got to do is meet the compromise. Okay, so so let me put a pin in it, and I, and I want to know what Paul Rip thinks because he talked a little bit about race the last time, uh, you know, and he grew up in the civil rights movement. But what uh, what Wayne Flint told our class in 1994 was that um, that the that the that the white people called the Civil Rights Act, I mean, called the Civil Rights Movement when those children were murdered in Birmingham with dynamite. They said no more. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what your perspective is. I'd like to know what Paul thinks about that. I mean, you remember when it happened? I remember when it happened, and uh, I remember that the. Uh, I do remember that the most outrage came from uh, the white community. You know, the black community was saying that they were voiceless and were not being listened to. And if that was the case and we were to believe them, then this would have never come to light. So the only way that it did come to light and get the focus on it and uh, uh, be marred in history the way that it is, is because of the consciousness of white people at the time living in Alabama affected by it. And if we, and if we want to keep Confederate monuments, let them be a testament to our inability to compromise and what history has taught us that leads to. <clears throat> and, and it's the same thing in this moment. Somebody in this movement is going to say, hey, man, this all is burning shit down. It's gone too far. we got to stop that. Well, burning down anything, that's, you know, that's definitely without saying that's going too far. I mean, definitely. And, no one's advocating that except those that are doing it. And just so you know, uh Dr. Flint is our kind of guy when he write and when he wrote his articles for al.com uh, for the uh, the bicentennial of Alabama his his first <laughs> uh, article was on bipart bipartisan our only bipartisanship is corruption and then he goes in and details that he went to he actually went to the Illinois State University Institute for Corruption Studies and that Alabama was number one in corruption in 2017. Now, does that surprise anybody who's been listening to this podcast? No, and if it does surprise them, then we'll, when we get down a little bit further, we'll tell them about Atticus and the architect. I'm, hey, I'm ready to, let's go right on into it. I think that's a great example. Okay, well, uh, those of you that are not familiar with it, you can find it on YouTube. It's uh, Atticus and the Architect. This is about the Don Siegelman case. I think that was 0204 when uh, uh, Mr. Siegelman uh, was finally indicted after numerous attempts. And uh, the election between he and Bob Riley was thrown in the 11th hour by none other than Baldwin County. And those votes... And those records of those votes have never been seen since that day. 
And I know that people have listened to this podcast, Harry, and I know that they've looked at you and I and Reigns and said, these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. There's no way that corruption could be as bad as it is. Well, I'm telling you, folks, go get your popcorn. Go on YouTube. Watch Atticus and the Architect, and you will realize just how bad corruption is in Alabama and how bad it has been for a very, very long time. It's an excellent, excellent show. Absolutely. I plan on giving it a watch this weekend. You'll see a lot of the similarities about what's going on today. And, you know, many years ago or a couple of years ago, we were talking about rigged elections in Baldwin County, and there was people that didn't believe it. Well, this is one of the first elections that was rigged that we know of. And then there was another one, a couple of other uh, elections in Fairhope. And then, of course, with Michelle Thomason, she eliminated her competition because they weren't Republican enough. And uh, Sheriff Hoss Mack was able to stay in by having Trip Pittman just rewrite the rules. So those are fixing elections. That's what that's called. Good old Alabama. Well, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about that for a minute. Um, these uh, these contributions, Paul. Oh, Catalyst Contributions. Yes, sir. You know the difference between a contribution and a bribe? No. A contribution is when you give money to someone that is running against someone in opposition. A bribe is when you give somebody money and they have no competitor. So when somebody's running for office and they got their hand out and they don't have a competitor running against them, ask them what the hell they need the money for. Well, I can tell, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I spent a great deal of time running down these contributions and because of the uh, uh, Citizens United. These catalyst uh, contributions? Well, because of, yes. Uh, all of these contributions were made by this organization. All of them are under either consulting slash polling or advertising expenses. Now, I can get my head around that. I'm a person who gets paid for that sort of thing. But my, my organization is deemed as a business. I don't have to report political contributions because of Citizens United. Well, neither does Catalyst. So none of these are public record. The amounts are public record and who they went to are public record. The only one that I came upon that is evidentiary was for Joe Davis. And Harry and I talked about it the other day. Joe Davis took out a $3,000 loan against his campaign back a few years ago. And in March 2019, he got a $3,109 contribution from Catalyst for ad services, and that same day repaid the $3,000 loan that he had taken out. <laughs> uh, now, I notified the commissioner about that and said, what are your thoughts on this 
contribution and then how it looks and the optics of it, and I haven't heard anything back. And I doubt that I will. But I doubt, I doubt you will, too. My question is, that's an awful lot of money. You're looking at the, the tune of about $1.9 million. And that's just on the disclosure from the Secretary of State's office. That's not any of their reported income vis-a-vis. Um, you got to ask yourself where all that money's coming from. Well, because they're a private corporation and are completely objectified and vilified by the Citizens United legislation, you'll never know that is a private organization that takes private donations, undisclosed, and funnels them to political candidates. This is absolutely and without a doubt a vehicle for graft. But we have no public recourse other than maybe somebody getting on the door of the Justice Department and saying, hey, come have a look at this group. Harry, what do you think about that? Well, here's what I think. I think if you if you are a party to a lawsuit and there is a judge sitting on your case and you want to know who funded his campaign, you ought to be able to find that out. That's what I think. Yep. To protect the integrity of the judicial system. Absolutely. Um, especially if you're a party. That's what I think. Of course, I'm not in charge of anything. I'm just some, you know, whatever. Well, that's that. That was uh, you said is about how much money went through Catalyst? Almost one point nine million dollars. Whoa! <laughs> now, that's since two thousand fourteen, to be fair. Wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, that's a lot of money not to know where it's coming from and. You know, the only thing you can do is just see where it's going. And uh, who's first on that list there, Harry? Tucker Dorsey. I thought it was Michelle Thomason. No, she's not first. (laughs) So so let's talk about money and politics, okay? All right. So, So back in the day... Um, I want to say it was 2012 Chief Justice race. Uh, it's when uh, our the Democrat Sue Bell Cobb ran against uh, Roy Moore, and that was the most expensive judicial race in the history of this country. Yeah. Now, how yeah. in the hell do you justify spending 5.5 million dollars on the the Chief Justice seat in Alabama. A lot of money came from out of state. Worth every penny. That's why it's worth every single penny. That's why you're seeing uh, big money being spent right now on the Catalyst candidate for the congressional seat, Mr. Uh, Lowtower, or is it Hightower? I can't remember. Anyway, he... uh, He's getting a lot of money out of Washington and a lot of money from uh, uh, the Washington groups. And they're essentially telling Alabama how they're going to uh, vote. And I can assure you, if we elect a catalyst candidate to go to Washington, we will get no return. Nothing. Zero. All right. So I got a new hero. Got a new hero for you, Paul. 
Yeah, General, I was a little General bit. Uh, I was a little bit surprised to see a four-star general step up and do that. I'll tell you, man, I was. That really surprised me. Uh, uh, he had to be pretty rattled to do that. It sounds to me like he was completely t caught off guard, and uh, it just didn't sit with him well until he spit it out. You know. Sounds like the man had a lot on his mind. Yep. If you're not noticing, and I'll keep it brief because I know we don't want to spend too much time on national issues, but if you have ever paid attention to how the groundwork for military coups are laid down in foreign countries, you are observing right now an almost purely political military coup. All of the Joint Chiefs and all of the heads of the departments of all the armed forces are pushing back against the White House. Now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be tanks rolling in the streets crushing the White House. Then. Far from it. That'll never happen in this country. However, what you are seeing is a political and objective coup happening against the president right now. And I think it's fantastic. Moving on. Well, I never, I can never remember in my life ever hearing uh, any military officer of any rank get on TV and criticize the uh, commander-in-chief. Well, it's I mean, against UCMJ to criticize the commander-in-chief. So yeah. I can't remember what it is. I think it's under Article 15 that you can get discharged for that. As so, it is the rules of professional responsibility to be critical of a judge, which is why I'm going to leave this next part up to you guys. So in the catalyst picture before you, is the judge who was brought out of retirement to hear um, this case, if I can get this thing to work. We'll watch a little video. On the Baldwin County beat, the woman who pressed charges against the Spanish Fort Mayor claiming he slapped her in the face at work has been fired. That's according to City Magistrate Lindsey Cooper's attorney, Ed Smith, who says it's a retaliatory measure. Smith says Cooper was fired after refusing to be in charge of taking people's temperatures at the door of City Hall because she has no medical training and because, he says, she feared exposing herself and her family to COVID-19. Last fall, Mayor Mike McMillan was arrested and charged with harassment for allegedly slapping Cooper in the face at City Hall. What a coincidence. That's, I just wanted to point out the coincidence. Yeah, reminds you a lot about the Paula Donardi case, doesn't it? Hmm. They're both on film. Everybody that is seeing this live on film is now being asked to believe something else. What we see is not what the justice system in Baldwin County can produce. And I know, I know there, there's, in fact, let me go, let me say this, Harry. I had a call today from somebody that was very upset and I listened to everybody's criticism, whether it's pro or con. And she was upset with me because she thought that we were spending way too much time on the drama and the corruption and things like that. And not enough time in city council meetings, such as Pharaoh talking about, the infrastructure, what needed to be during the hurricanes and stuff like this. And she said it was upsetting to watch 
and she just wished the city could get back on track with this business. And look, I totally, totally agree. But we have been, we, when I say we, the RIP report and some of the people involved, Paula Nadardi and them, we've been sucked into this. We didn't ask for any uh, 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 any way to get involved with this any more than us reporting or you uh, representing her. But now the amount of corruption that's involved, we either do one or two things. We forget about it and put on a happy face or we cause a little bit of drama and make you look at how damn bad it is. And if it upsets you, I apologize, but I can tell you if we take the other road, nothing at all will happen. Nothing. That's correct. Absolutely correct. So when we started this, the first podcast we ever did, I told you guys. Number one. Number one. I, I, to I told you guys over and over again that there was going to be a cost we, I wasn't sure what it was, but this guy right here used the internet to make his point, which is why I give him credit for us getting at least this far. So I thought what we would do is we'd play a little, um, little Jeopardy. How about that, Reigns? Why not? What is why not? All right, so uh, let's see here. You, you have several, you have several choices here. Now, um, this I'll start you off with an easy one. Uh, abuse his position to defame a political retractor. Um, this person and his Confederates, political allies known as Catalyst, has have suspended my access to the courthouse and refused to give me a hearing on the matter. Uh, who is Huey Hoss Mack? <laughs> Got it, Range. You're, you're one for one, buddy. Um, let's see. I'll take Catalyst candidates for 400, Alex. Uh, <laughs> Overseeing concealed numerous violations by the board he was appointed that appointed him. He also bought a lot at a considerable, considerable discount from NBU while serving the city of Baymanet. Uh, who is Mayor Boone? No. No. No, shit. Wait. While serving the city. It's the attorney. Uh, the, the, uh, 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 uh. Lewis. Lewis. Who is Indeed. Lewis? Sorry. Tip of my tongue. Too much Lone Star this week. No kidding. So, uh, Next category. Uh, I'll take uh, law enforcement abuse for 800. <laughs> uh, th this member of the North Baldwin Utility Board leased his home to the North Baldwin Utility Board while serving as chairman. During the lease period, MBU employees expended taxpayer dollar and ratepayer funds to renovate said property. The lease was terminated and the lease payments refunded. Bob Willis. Is, no. Board Chairman Larry Taylor. Larry Taylor. 
I should have said Larry Taylor. I was thinking. It was Larry on the tip Taylor. of your tongue. Tip of your tongue. It, it's, hard, it's easy range to get them confused because they're all in the same bed. Well, I mean, this kind of turns it. It uh, uses position for personal gain. Um, his largest client, the family trust that the uh, two houses were purchased from, he serves as trustee. Further participated in the lease renovation scheme involving fellow board member Larry Taylor. Bob Wills. Robertson. All right, let's let's change it up. I'll take. Um, I'll take uh, Jason Patrick for three hundred. I'll take nobody serves in a position of power in Baldwin County that's black for one thousand, Alex. <laughs> Baldwin uh, County, Baldwin County, has a, Baldwin County has a reputation of elected board members taking advantage of the boards that they serve on. And that is from Baymanet to Fairhope. And it just defies logic that you could be a board member of, say, let's say Fairhope Airport. And then you could bid on a project that is your project, like an airplane hangar, from the same place, and then be on the board. You know? I, you know, I think that's amazing, but I'll raise you. I'll take the Singing River Hospital of Jackson County Board of Directors for 2000 Alex, because right. that elected board squandered the entire pension fund of the Singing River Hospital system and left over 1,800 people with zero pension five yeah. years ago. So the, so the final allegation uh, uses positional position for personal gain and for the personal gain of his family, NBE purchased uh, two homes from his family's trust under the guise of economic development. He did not disclose this relationship to the Ethics Commission via the required statement of economic interest. Mayor Bob Wills. That's another thing people in uh, Baldwin County need to realize. As soon as you hear economic development, you better put your ears up. That's one of the easiest ways for them to defraud us than anything else. The And I'll go as far as to say that the Economic Development Alliance of uh, Baldwin County does nothing for us. Absolutely nothing. These people and these people treated them poorly, which I think is I find offensive and I take personally. Had time. And that guy's in the middle of all of it now. <clears throat> Sorry. All right. So, so what's next? Well, I thought we might talk a little bit about uh, about my dismissal from uh, from the premises. You know about that, Mister Rip? We went to a meeting about it. You remember that? Oh yeah, I I guess that's what they call that—a meeting. Yeah. So, as part of the, I think it was part of the complaint. So anyway, it's buried in a bunch of paper, but I got a, uh, I got a letter on November 20th from Tracy Rogers, the finance director telling me that, um, my, uh, lease had been terminated by the North Bone utility board. Um, I know Tracy picked up the phone and called her. I said, Hey, what's going on? Who made this decision? The board did, 
okay, well, I'd like a copy of the minutes. Well, they didn't do it in a meeting. And I said, well, you guys get your stuff together. Um, it also says here, I said, of course, I'm going to get out. But uh, it says here that my December rent will be based on the date of surrender, will be prorated to the date of surrender, blah, 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 blah. So long story short, um, I vacate the premises on the 20th of December. On December 31st, Jason Paget, the direct, the general manager for North Bond Utilities, goes and files a pro se lawsuit against me for rent November and December that they hadn't even made a demand for. That if I moved out on the 11th was money that wasn't, it, you know, it, it hadn't even been due for 11 days. You know, they didn't give me an invoice when I surrendered the keys. You know what I mean? They didn't care. They wanted you out. Right. But see, here's where the wrinkle comes in. You guys think, just like everybody else, that lawyers, we ride around smoking pot and drinking, and there's no consequences. And if we get in trouble, it's all covered up or whatever. Hardly. The Alabama State Bar, if you have a lawsuit filed against you, they start a file. You have to copy them on every scrap of paper. They won't know what the, why the hell you aren't paying your bills or why you got a DUI or it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of headache and it's a lot of trouble. So when I consulted with my attorney, we talked about all that and he said, just pay it. We'll go to the meeting. We'll find, we'll ask him what the hell's going on for one thing. So that's what, that's what this meeting is. And, um, I'm going to just let it roll. And if at any point you guys want to comment, yeah, I do. Who's uh, who moved in to your office space in uh, Baymanette when they forced you out? Yeah, I'm curious to know that too. Um, it was uh, two members, uh, two North Bowen Utility employee spouses. One of them has a printing company, and the other <laughs> spouse of the person owns a uh, computer consulting company. You can't, you can't make this up, man. I mean. Good God Almighty! Oh. So this is so. This is January 29th. So I, we've been holding this back all this time. I really hope you enjoy it. Okay, so just another example of the mayor's animus towards me. I asked if I could sit at the table and he said no <laughs> to start off with. Um, well, Harry, you are entitled to any animus that's directed against you. Uh, you have no good purpose in any of the things you're doing other than to muck rake around, and everybody knows it. It's really interesting 
that uh, you uh, take these underhanded tactics, direct them toward individuals, and then think that you're supposed to be welcomed with open arms. I, it's I, my boardroom, Mayor. I'm, I'm not finished. I really don't care if you're finished or not. I was I, I, addressing I, the chairman. You, let me tell you something. Uh, you're a guest here. This is the utility board's meeting. You're welcome to be here. You're welcome to express yourself, but you're not going to disrupt the meeting. So, in any event, uh, you you have the floor. Uh, Thank you. Chairman Taylor has certainly uh, welcomed you graciously, and I think you should accept it in that context. May I proceed? Thank you. Um, I'd like to request a copy of your minutes whereby you voted to evict me. Um, did you vote to evict me? I'm here to ask the question first. Did this body vote to eviction. evict me? I think, the, I think the lease was just terminated, but we, we, I'm sure we'll be happy to give you the minutes. Okay. And what, 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 what meeting did it happen at? <laughs> I'll answer that. I've got the, the minutes of the meeting, and this is what the says the general manager presented to the board a written um, <clears throat> presented to the board written notice directed to the current tenant at 15 Hand Avenue Suites 150, 154, 157, advising the termination of lease due to multiple delinquent rental payments. Tenant was given 30 days to vacate the lease premise. So you notified them after the fact. No. Let me finish. A motion was made by Mr. Robertson, seconded by Mr. Gaines, authorizing the general manager to proceed with notice of the tenant. After that meeting, Ms. Rogers sent you a letter. And why did Ms. Rogers not know when I called and asked her that they did this in a meeting? You called and asked me? Yes, ma'am. When I got your letter, I called and I said, Tracy, I've read the, I've, I've read the, this is exactly what I said. I said, I've, I've read the lease. And while they have absolutely every right to terminate it on 30 days' notice, I just like a copy of the minutes. And you said they didn't do it in a meeting. And I said, well, maybe you don't understand how legislative bodies work. They have to do it in a meeting. It's not what you said. That's exactly what I said. I asked for a copy of the minutes. Don't argue with them. Don't argue with them. It's pointless. So we'd be happy to get you so minute. I, I received an email from you on Monday morning. Um, I've turned it over to our attorney, and he will be supplying you with those minutes. Okay. That's the best, you know, the best way of our directive to get that information to you. Question number two, Mr. Chairman. Did you authorize Jason Padgett to file a pro se lawsuit on your behalf against me? Jason. No. So in our normal operations of doing business, we if someone owes us money and they have neglected to pay us, we go through the small claims court as we have numerous times before to get people to owe us money. And that's what we did in this case. So the board did not authorize us. That is our day-to-day -day operations of business. And you handled it just like you handle any other delinquent like that. That is correct. Step. Well, the problem is... We have a contractual relationship. I have a contractual relationship with this board. And if you're going to file a lawsuit against me based on that contract, you should have attached that contract as the basis of your lawsuit. You have a board attorney. Why didn't he file the lawsuit? Um, there, just, there are any number of questions. Who filed the lawsuit. There's no obligation to attach the contract. You were delinquent in your rent like you had been for months and months and months. So. Uh, it's notice pleading, as I'm sure you understand. You're a lawyer. 
So you knew exactly what the claim was. You paid it, didn't you? You ultimately paid it before you had to go to court, didn't you? I certainly did on okay. advice of counsel. You're, what, you advise yourself? No, sir. I, you know, Mr. Wills, you're the most vile person I've ever met in my life, and I do not wish to speak with you. I'd like to talk to the rest of the board who haven't opened their mouth yet. So, Jim, is this standard operating procedure for Jason Paget to go file? He's here to disrupt the meeting. I wouldn't allow it to proceed much longer, quite frankly. Okay. Hey, I, you know, I really don't have any reason to talk to you. It's a daily business here. You did not pay your bill just like any other customer to this board. And if I don't pay my bill, which I do, I pay my bills, then I suffer the consequences, period. So End Jim, of my statement. look to your right. That man right there owes me anywhere. a pile of money. So, you know, if we want to talk about people paying their bills, look to your I right. I pay my bills. Um, That's you. I, I sure do. So, okay. so let's talk about the pattern in practice. For the first two years I was here, I didn't even have a lease. And Jason would come around and pick up rent payments. So when you say I was late 12 times, I can't say if I was or not. Well, All I knew this. was I had to pay my rent during the month, which was the pattern in practice. That come knock on my door and collect my money. I you know. know I owe it, and I've seen it time. Okay. So, Mr. <laughs> I, so, so why would Mr. Lewis not file a lawsuit? I'm not Why the okay. Wasting your time. This is this. Mm -hmm. This. Let's get some. Uh, 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 let's calm down here. Okay. Have you got some points you need to make, sir? I, I, I have a few questions, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, let's ask the questions. Besides your bungalow, that this board leased for a year, and Mr. Mitchell, the Mitchell Family Trust bungalows that you two guys have a financial interest in, um, and the Bradley Building. Have you bought anything else under the guise of economic development? This board. That's my question. It's a simple question. Have you bought any other real property or leased any other real property under the guise of economic development? I don't, I'm not aware of us buying anything. So that's it? Just those three? Buying. Don't know? Yeah. Okay. Well, I certainly thank you for your time, and um, I guess I'll be looking for Mr. Lewis to get me a copy of your uh, minute. Thank you much. Harry, there's not one lick of difference between Mayor Wills and the former Mayor Tim Camp. And what he was doing in Fairhope is exactly what Mr. Wills is doing in Baymanette. It's, uh, he's running it with a strong arm. Nobody is opposing him. And anybody that rides along with him gets favoritism and uh, good land deals. And right, anybody let's, let's, speaks up, anybody speaks up like you, they're going to crush them, man. They they don't want to hear it. So the, the reason that my rent was only $556 a month for three suites of Class A office space is they could terminate my lease at any point.
on 30 days notice because the whole premise for buying the damn building, just like these bungalows, was for economic development. If somebody came to the mega site and bit, then we would make this office space available for them until they built them a building somewhere for office space. Right. So there was always that, you know, sword hanging over you that that day was coming. But well, that wasn't the that that's not what they did. And I don't know if you noticed, I showed it several times in the video. When they sent me the letter, I owed them for that month's rent. I was not delinquent in my rent. I they told you you couldn't have moved out. Timely that I pay it was due on the tenth and I paid it on the twentieth or whatever. You, you understand the difference. I never got a demand letter saying, Mr. Steele, you're eight months behind on your rent. Why don't you uh uh, and also the bungalows, people need to understand that the bungalow purchase was supposed to be for potential customers that were coming to look at the mega site. How many times do we have customers stay in the bungalow, Harry? Um, none that I know of. They've been rented out, used for bunko parties, uh, Easter at uh, yeah, you got a picture of that bungalow? Uh, yeah, I do. I, it's in the video though. I don't think I threw one up. No, for that. I, I saw it in there. I wanted Range to see it and what they were getting for each one of those things. Yeah, they they the vendors oh, need the in this thing was eight hundred and sixteen thousand dollars for those two houses. So that was four hundred eleven thousand dollars in two thousand thirteen, and you got to understand this transaction just completed. They paid a hundred thousand dollars a year until the release was signed i believe it was june of 2019 so this has been an ongoing thing and that's a wood structure i haven't seen any group be more led in their economic decisions by buying a pig and a poke since uh, i did business with the department of defense back in the 1990s a pig and a poke yep all right I think that infographic sums it up. The two employees, yeah. the spouses moved into the place. Here's a, a, you know, everybody's on a social trip to a football game. This describes the allegations that Mr. Rip made. And all this is going on while everybody in Bateman is sound asleep. Not I. All uh, right. So, so um, Paul, you got anything else? Yes, the um, the RIP report today, Freaky Friday, be out later today if it's not being published now. It's in the hands of the geek. Uh, it talks about faux candidates. And by faux candidates, I mean in the past elections, I've had to learn the hard way in putting trust in people that I looked at that told me to my face lies about the purpose for running for office and then not finding out until later that they were running for catalyst the whole time and they were the faux candidate that was supposed to keep his mouth shut but slip in there to represent catalyst well that's what i think is going to happen in this next month uh and there are three different uh, spots that we're looking at right now that uh, possibly you could see these catalyst faux candidates Come in. One is uh, Mr. Dane Haygood, the mayor of Daphne. Uh, and the news that we're getting is that he's on the outs with uh, Catalyst. 
and uh, I guess Mr. Haygood's going to find out that catalysts now will eat their own because so, they're going to so, try to. Put so one more time, this is proof that catalyst is a storefront. If this, if right. catalyst was created by Lynn Stacy, who's who's no longer with us, Chris Elliott, who's now a state senator, they didn't support him in the last election, and now Haygood, who's an incumbent running for mayor, and they're going to run this other guy. I'm going. Yeah, they're going to run the other guy, and let's make it clear that the reason that they didn't that Elliott broke off from them is that Elliot found, found them to be toxic. And he thought by getting a little bit of distance between them, he could uh, disavow any relationship to them. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that uh, Elliot backed away from Catalyst. But trust me, he's got the Catalyst tattoo on his rear end. Now the other one, the next one is the, uh, besides Mr. Haygood, uh, uh, Mr. Burrell, who's the council president in Pharaoh for the last eight years, uh, absolutely, completely despicable record, everything from bid rigging down. Uh, he, again, is another Catalyst player. He wasn't sponsored by Catalyst the last time, but he certainly has played their game uh, the entire last four years with Catalyst. Uh, with Mr. Boone and Mr. Boone's son, Scott's the one that runs Catalyst. So it's looking like Burrell may have a, uh, a faux candidate run against him that also is Catalyst. So we're going to have to watch that. And then third, but not least, is the uh, mayor of Fairhope. Uh, I think this is hilarious. Uh, the three prime people that we think we're going to run were Sherry Sullivan, uh, the former mayor, Tim Camp, and uh, Mr. Burrell, who we were just speaking of. Well, now I'm hearing that Sherry Sullivan's decided to stay at her job, which is very lucrative. I think an extremely smart decision on her part. And Tim Camp is finding it impossible to justify his uh, corrupt administration, the BP thing, the Fly Creek, the Triangle. I could go on and on and on. So... Uh, that leaves, you know, nobody's standing. Uh, so what we're thinking is no one has stepped up yet to run. We just can't wait till that person raises their head and you watch and see, they'll probably be linked up with Catalyst and it'll just be a ploy to come from the sidelines uh, uh, to run for Catalyst without saying there were Catalysts. So it's going to get very, very interesting here in the next uh, couple of months. And then last but not least, you know, we have the congressional runoff on uh, July 14th, right in the middle of the Fairhope qualification, which is July 7th to the 21st. But uh, Mr. Jerry Carl is in that race. And uh, as I mentioned, Mr. Lowtower is the catalyst candidate. And I can assure you the worst decision Baldwin County could ever make would be to send Low Tower up there to uh, Washington, D.C. So as far as the RIP report goes, that's that's what's on the RIP report. And then I had a little bit on Lanyap, but if you want to go into something in between there, Harry. One, one quick second, Paul. Yeah. Uh, some, something important, because when people do good things, we like to congratulate them on that. Did you well, see well, this? Well. 
So Carl was on Midday Mobile today and said, since this has happened, it's like he's the presumptive candidate that people who weren't returning his phone calls and waiting to see what was going to happen, all that's changed overnight. Well, Bradley Byrne. So, 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 so should I out Bradley and tell people that we're related? <laughs> I well, mean, no, I think Bradley deserves a slap on the back because uh, sure does. Jerry Carl's the best for the seat and uh, putting low tower in there would be a hell of a mistake. And I guess Bradley could see that too. So, so Reigns, I got a good one for you. Uh, yes. So, you know, Gone with the Wind's been taken off of uh, HBO, and it's going to be yeah, put back up with some kind of disclaimer. So, but you remember uh, Ashley Wilkes? Ashley Wilkes, yep. Right, and remember, remember the Wilkes family, and they had a tradition in their family where they married cousins. So I'm a lot more burned than Bradley because my grandparents were third cousins. I kept trying to figure, I kept trying to trace back the family tree and I kept going, no, that's not grandmother (laughs) Burns. That's not grandmother Hall's daddy. That's this other burn. Anyway, I'm more burned than Bradley or my side of the family is. Well, that made my day. I'm glad to see that. I didn't catch that. That was today. Yeah, well, it was yesterday, and he was on Midday Mobile with uh, Sean Sullivan today, and I listened to about 45 minutes of it in the car, and uh, yeah. he, he sounded real upbeat, and, uh, you know, but people still need to get out and vote, and uh, if you're scared at the, of going to the polls, you still have time to get an absentee ballot. Uh, we'll throw a little link up where you can go to the Secretary of State's website or the county registrar um, or the, uh, I guess the absentee, local absentee ballot manager is the uh, circuit clerk in Baldwin County. Right. And, uh, you know, you got no excuse in voting when you can absentee vote. And for God's sakes, the last thing, do not, do not straight ticket vote. Look at who the candidates are. Straight ticket voting is blind voting. All right, Paul, give me some uh, land yap. All right. One thing I'm glad to say, happy to say, is that the June 10th to June 16th edition of land yap, uh, you know, they start, one of the articles is sunken uh, cities taken down to Confederate statues, which we were just talking about. But the one thing I'm impressed with with Lanyap is it looks like they're bouncing back very fast. The uh, advertising is coming back. It's full of articles. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I read in there that's not political that uh, I think is very interesting in Mobile, the downtown businesses are very sorry that the COVID thing hit when it did was that uh, Mobile has quite a music scene and uh, some very good musicians coming through there and you can follow them through Lanyap as well. Uh, there's a um, uh, one article in here that's board business tuition. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's not the one I was looking for. The one for, well, one is defunding police departments goes way too far. That's by Rob Holbert. Uh, I think the word defunding is a uh, is a bad word. I think maybe reforming and doing some things with the police department uh, is certainly should be looked at, uh, such as we have our police officers now that are being called out on issues that are mental health issues. 
because so we we're have asking mental the police health. officers to handle mental health issues. They shouldn't be having to make those calls, you know. And uh, there's territory jurisdictional things with police departments that are overlapping, uh, where just simple duplicity is costing each municipality a little bit more if they had done it a different way. Uh, and of course, last but not least, I absolutely do not condone the militarization of uh, a police department. Uh, I think that is the wrong way to go because when you militarize the police department, then they start further militarizing the crooks. So somebody has to give up first and policing means policing. And I'm very, very much an advocate of the police department, but or police departments. But at the same time, I'm extremely critical when they go uh, off course. Uh, and when, say, the sheriff's department's investigating its own incidences and then making a report on them that the public never gets to see, that's not that's not good policing. That's not good policing. All right, Paul. Uh, let's let's talk about the major crimes unit real quick. Oh yeah. Does that suits you. So the Ball County Major Crimes Unit was a figment of the sheriff's imagination for a long time. He created it himself. He asked uh, certain other members of local law enforcement to serve on the board, which he does not serve on, but it is staffed by the 30 most senior officers in in the sheriff's investigation division, okay? So the, the premise is whenever there's a crime in Baldwin County, like a murder, and there's no suspect, the major crimes unit will come in and take jurisdiction of that case because that presumably that jurisdiction wouldn't have the resources that the major crimes unit would have. The problem is they're also using it in an instance like the Yates case that we were talking about where they tore the trailer down around the man and, and shot him. Um, their major crimes unit is investigating that. They're investigating themselves um, in the in the incident with the young man with the fanny pack who ran off the road on I-10, um, there's all kind of video of the thing. They shot him with a long gun. Uh, I don't know how you shoot somebody in the kneecap the, and then two to the abdomen at 15 feet, but they said he started at 40 feet away and closed the gap to 15 before the officer fired, and then he stitched him up, sounds to me like. Um, they want the, Laniap has asked for that body cam footage, so... Um, they serve the sheriff with a freedom of what you call a FOIA, what we call an open records request. And um, the sheriff didn't answer. So they filed a lawsuit and it went before Judge Taylor and Judge Taylor breathed, breathed life into this clay golem. And he says, your, your request is defective because you did not serve the proper people. The major crimes unit is in is has that information not the sheriff so just like that it's all legitimized because now there's a there's a legal ruling saying saying that it exists somewhere besides letterhead and in, in the sheriff's brain <clears throat> how long did it take them to close the investigation on the guy that supposedly hung himself with a seatbelt? 12 hours and they did not the, the the investigator who investigated that case admitted to me that he had only handled property theft cases prior to that 
So they wasn't the movie out there. Are there any FBI agents listening to us, please? So, 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 so let's go back. Let's go back to uh, the the whole uh, saga of Harry loses his security pass. So, do y'all remember? Go to Lanyap. So I, so I told, so, so when I ran into the sheriff after he revoked my security pass when we did the Friday the Thirteenth expose on the on the death of that confidential informant. Um, I saw the sheriff the next day and guess who the people were who went to him and said, I was acting like a crazy person erratically and aggressively. Same so people you've been talking this about. guy, I mean, this guy, that's a bigger picture. This guy, this guy and this guy. And why would this guy listen to this guy? Well, I don't know. They're carrying a wreath together and he's hanging out with the DA and, uh, Jefferson, whatever sessions, Beauregard sessions. So that's where those allegations came from. <clears throat> but if you want to go listen to the animus you deserve, go jump back about 20 minutes and listen to that again. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. The other, uh, there's another article that. This has been going on for quite some time. It's been under the radar, too. It's details unclear. Gulf State Park financial summary shields contractors' profits by Gabe Times. This has literally been going on for a couple years since they uh, leased out the uh, operation. Gulf State, Gulf State Park down there. They have a third-party operator. Uh, right, and lanyap has been trying to get financial records uh, related to the $140 million Gulf State Park enhancement uh, project. Uh, and they've been, you know, they they built the uh, hotel down there that's supposed to be five-star, which is absolutely horrible when you drive up to it. It's a parking lot. All right, so back, let, me, let me talk no about that. landscaping, and the garbage cans are, are visible from the street. All right, so so let me talk, let me speak to that. It's what we call a call a Leeds building. They built it to be environmentally friendly and to blend into the natural ecosystem. So guess what the shit and landscape is, Rains? Sand. Naturally. It's it's freaking sand and like three pitiful little sand do uh sea oats hanging on by their roots out there, you know. Hey, the, it's wind coming off the road. I, I'm telling there. you, Rains. It is truly, truly embarrassing. It looks like Joseph Stalin designed this thing. What? I said it looks like Stalin designed this thing. Those Krumenchev talent, international, you know, architecture. Yeah. But anyway, on the uh, on the park improvements and management agreement. Uh, they were enabled by legislation passed in 2013. And this was a first of the kind constitutional amendment approved by voters in 2016, while funds were largely provided by the Natural Damage uh, Assessment, uh, NRDA, and the legal settlement from uh, BP. Here's where it gets interesting. One of the sponsors of that first of its kind legislation, enabling legislation, Senate Bill 231 
was former state senator Rusty Glover. Glover has since left the legislature to become an employee of guess where? He's an educational specialist at the Gulf State Park. Come on, man. It just keeps going and going and going and going. You just can't make this crap up. And everybody just puts their finger in the ears. Paul, give me one second. These are a couple of high-stepping tur uh, turkeys, and you know what to say about a high-stepper. No step too high for a high-stepper. <laughs> Even even Governor Ivy knows when she sees a high stepper. Yeah, Rusty Glover, he'd be a high stepper. All right. Then you have uh, some other articles in here taking a step to cancel debating the removing the word race from city forms. That's by Dale Leash. That's uh, Mobile County. Uh, Mobile County is also working on their third version. We're going to replace it with intersectional outrage classification. I don't know. Third, the Mobile County is also working on their third comprehensive plan, which, by the way, Fairhope has been trying to work on and has all in place. And the city council keeps making decisions prior to the comprehensive plan being done about decisions that the comprehensive plan addresses. So, you know, I don't know what to say. They just keep on with it. Uh, I thought Civil Disorder was written by Jason Johnson. It's some arrested following the protests and they were kept uh, without bond in the, at the city's request. Well, now I'm not certainly, you know, advocating for them uh, destroying property and protesting, but you know, it does make you wonder. Here's some people out on the street protesting. They break a car windshield. They get thrown in jail without a bond. But then somebody like Mr. Pittman can come along and steal $636,000 right under our nose and not even get a slap on the wrist. Um, but I encourage you to get Lanyap. It's really coming back on the scene. The Nappy Awards uh, are going on now. You can... Get in there and vote for your favorite nappy, <laughs> and uh, just keep it the the papers in the, at the newsstands, or you can get it online. I get it online because it's so easy, and you can get it first. But uh, it's our only news in the Baldwin County area and the Mobile area where we have investigative reporting. Most of the other reporting I would describe as uh, fluff. Uh, just enough to fill a few pages on the line. Now, I think that Harry and I put out a lot of good stuff too, but it might be just a little too abrasive for some people, but it's factual. Hey, Paul, so, I want to do a little rewind with you. You got to say yeah. it. Yeah, I can. And the mega site now is going into what? I don't even know. Eight, ten years. They don't have a client. Okay. They've come so, up with this so, proposal. So they've given the land back to the Economic Development Alliance because the county can't own it for these companies to make infrastructure improvements and get tax breaks. So they've, right. so they've created right. uh, anyway for and some. We have, and we have not heard it. anything, and we have not heard anything back from the Economic Alliance uh, through the county commission as to what is going on or where this has. Uh, where it has progressed and remember people that uh, wasn't 
when they announced that they were going to do this infrastructure stuff, they said that they had no one interested in the project. No one had signed up for uh, anything with it. They had no clients. So they're doing infrastructure work to help sell or get a tenant for the mega site infrastructure work that should have been done when they purchased it. Correct. Not when they, not eight years later. Hey, there's a real nice sign out there now though. Yeah. But guess what? This is also, this is also, this is what I like. Uh, economic development was putting out a thing saying that uh, we were one of the first mega sites uh, available now that we were at the top of the list, but what they failed to mention is that most of the others already have occupants that were about the last mega site available. So that's why they were the first one that you would see now, because we're the last one available. I do hope something goes in up there because I think North Baldwin deserves uh, better than what they've been getting. Uh, I just hope in that a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I, I hope that economic development uh, uh, does not have the 100% choice in who goes in there, though. I'll tell you that. There better be some scrutiny over that. All right, Paul. I'm done, boys. You got, got something else? Wrap it up. Nope. I'm just going to let everybody know. Get your battle gear ready because... Except uh, we are only we are less than a month away from qualification for Fairhope elections, all the municipal elections here in Baldwin County, and uh, the election date, of course, is August 25th, and then we have the runoff for the congressional race on July 14th. Uh, that's Mr. Carl. So. Uh, the next month to six weeks is going to get real, real hot, folks. And I will apologize in the front end here if it's a little bit too much drama for some people to handle. But we're going to put it out there as we see it. It's almost too much for me to handle. <laughs> and uh, Amor Fate reigns. You know what I mean. Yes, lose your role I was speaking Latin. All right, so, I noticed. Um, I don't know any Russian for the record. If anybody's listening, um, so so Paul, what's what's up for the weekend? Uh, I'm doing a lot of research and a lot of reading. Unfortunately, I've, I've had about three more people call me involved in divorce court under Michelle Thomason. All of them distraught. All of them don't know what to do all of them complaining about their attorneys taking their money and getting nothing done. And I don't know what it's going to take for anyone to clean up that uh, family court, but uh, Judge Thomason should be the first one they sweep out the door. Yeah, I'll, I'll add a quick agree on behalf of Harry Still because he cannot agree to that. So. <laughs> I ain't touching that one. All right, so um, Alan Jackson is in town tomorrow at Oak Hollow Farms. It's a hundred dollars for a ticket. You got to show up in your own truck, and uh, you can tailgate. And it's uh, two two people per ticket, two people per vehicle, I guess. I have no earthly idea who Alan Jackson is. Oh my blaspheme! 
Oh, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, you'll catch COVID in your hoochie coochie. Uh, I'm a little bit more a Bob Marley fan. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, that was a shocker. All right, boys. Y'all have a good weekend, and um, All right. I will see you next time. Thanks for your time. All yeah. right. Gary, you just wear.